You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Matthew 25, 14 to 30. It's a long one. Okay. Um, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his, to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew, you were, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has, for whoever has will be given more and, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even when... Even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Thank you. Thank you very much. There's another Bible reading, but I'll just give it to you. Um, well, you can read that in your personal time. It's Mark 11, 12 to 14. Mark chapter 11, 12 to 14. About the fig tree. So... I know I'm a motivational speaker, I'm an inspirational speaker, but unfortunately I'm not here to motivate you and I'm not here to inspire you today. I'm only here to tell you the truth. And it's a matter, it's a matter of eternity, hell or heaven. That um, Bible reading, I'm sure we all know it, the parable of the ten talents. We've read it many times, they've told us many times. And same thing, you know, when you're reading your Bible and you come across it, you read it and you move on. But God revealed something profound to me. He said, because normally when I read that passage, I look at it, you know, the, the, the unfaithful servant, the one that didn't do with good with what God had given him, they took the gold from him. And so for me, it always ended there. But when I read further on to chapter 30, I now realize that it didn't just stop at taking it from him. He was actually cast into outer darkness. Now, out, and I did some research. Outer darkness is hell. It is hellfire. There, so, it's not, the church has told us that once you give your life to Christ, there's grace that will cover your sins. You make it to heaven. But God is also very interested that you fulfill your purpose. And if you do not fulfill your purpose, it is a matter of hell. I will talk about, I would read to you, before I go into my discussion today, there's a prophecy that I read, and I just want to read it to you. It says, The Lord's radical remnant are pregnant with dreams and visions of the Lord, purposes of God in the earth, awakening revival for their nation, cities and families, harvest of souls, signs, wonders and miracles, and his presence, intercession and gifts of the Holy Spirit. These pregnancies are beyond full term. She is groaning and in travail, as with a woman in pain of childbirth is on the remnant. But she is not able to deliver. Something is keeping them from delivering God's purpose. 
Some of the dreams and visions have been within the womb of the remnant for decades. Some have been passed through the generations, but have yet to be birthed. Many of the dreams and visions will deliver nations and bring awakening to generations, even generations yet to come. Why could they not deliver? There is war over harvest from within and without. Dreams and visions from the Lord are being held hostage in the womb of the sons and daughters of the Lord by this accuser. I was chatting with another friend of mine who has a gift of prophecy, and she said, she, she, had a, she got a revelation. God wants to use this generation. He will not take it lightly with us because no one wants to have faith and do what he has asked us to do. God has plans that he wants to fulfill on the earth. This whole do it a faith thing that is on my t-shirt, it has nothing to do with me. It has absolutely nothing to do with me. It's what is on God's heart. If you go and read the Bible, Moses, Abraham, when God was one that came to Moses, right? And said at the burning bush, God came to Abraham, right? And told him to leave the land he was in to the land that he was going to show him. God has a plan that he has started from the beginning and it will continue to the end. And he's working towards that plan. And he's looking for people to join him in that plan. And that's why he has created each one of us for a particular purpose. But unfortunately, nobody is listening to him. Nobody is alert. No one is making themselves available for him to use. We're going about business. We're doing our own thing. And so when I, I um, was going to host the, my first conference last year, God gave me an analogy he said I should go and study the moth and the butterfly. Now, if I asked this question, a moth or a butterfly, which would you rather be? What would you say? A butterfly, right? Why? It's beautiful. Okay. I wish I had my slides here. I should have actually sent them beforehand. But a moth and a butterfly are actually very, 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 very similar. And I'll explain why. If you look at the structure of a moth and a butterfly, they have the exact same structure. So they have hind wings, abdomens, um, compound eyes, everything, four wings. You would, not, you, you would not even know the difference if you look at it from, you know when you look at the, like the skeleton, the structure, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Another thing that's similar between a moth and a butterfly is that they both go through the process of metamorphosis. So we've all heard the, the whole, I'm sure we've all done biology, we all did biology in school, where they say, you know, to be a butterfly, you start from the egg, you become a caterpillar, then you go, into the, you go through the cocoon, which is a very painful process, and you become a what? Butterfly. But the moth goes through the exact same process. So they're very similar. But imagine, at least if you know that you're a caterpillar, because apparently the process through the cocoon is a very painful process, almost a death kind of experience, Yeah. But if you're a caterpillar and you know that you're going to eventually become a beautiful butterfly, you won't mind going through that experience, right? Yes? But imagine going through that same experience to come out as a moth. It doesn't make sense. Now let me tell you the differences. Moths are active at night. So you see a moth nighttime, you only see them at night. While butterflies are active during the day. So you see a butterfly gets its energy for flight from the sunlight. So if you see a butterfly, you know, perching on a flower, what it's doing is receiving energy so it will fly. But the moths are attracted to artificial light. So you see moths are always hovering around light bulbs. And that's where they get their energy from, artificial light. But because they, they have to just stay there, who do you think experiences the best of life? The butterfly that can move from one plant to another plant in the daylight or the moth that just has to stay with one bulb. And obviously, the, we all said that the moth is ugly, the butterfly is beautiful. Now, there are actually over 100,000 species of moths and only 15,000 species of butterflies. So there are about five times more moths than you have butterflies. Now, what God revealed to me is that there are two kinds of people in this earth. People that live their lives as moths 
and people that live their lives as butterflies. The people that live their lives as butterflies are fulfilled. They're living life of purpose. They're doing the things that God created them to do. While the people that live their lives as moths are the ones chasing artificial things like the moth. It's all about the quick. It's all about the hunger, what you want, the material things, the possessions, the name, the fame. Are you a moth or a butterfly? Ask your neighbor. Say it out loud now. So, like I said, if I ask that question, the obvious answer would be, I would like to be a butterfly. So why isn't everybody a butterfly? Why is it that some people would rather choose the life of a moth, while some, very few, would choose the life of a butterfly? One major reason is fear. Or you say, God has told you that I've given you gifts. I've given you, I've given you this vision there's this thing that I want you to achieve, I want you to do. But because of the lack of financial security, because you rather stay with your, you know, your secure job so you can get your secure payment, that is mammon. We make our decisions based on finances. But look at this, um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. You know, I think, I'm not sure what verse it starts from, whether it's 25, when it talks about the lilies. And I remember, I've read the same thing, you read a verse so many times, and you know, you think, and when, even when it's being preached, people just talk about, okay, how God made the lilies. So I think this is a lily, I'm not sure. Um, so how God made the lilies beautiful. But when God said to me that that's not what I was talking about in that verse. Look again. He was talking about the grass. Unfortunately, I love working with slides. I didn't bring my slides. He was talking about grass, about how he clothed the grass with the lilies. So grass was plain. So if you look at the fields in countries like the UK or, or in the States, you will see there's grass. Then the lilies begin to grow, and lilies are beautiful. And he's saying, if I can clothe these lilies, sorry, if I can clothe this grass with lilies, then what can't I do for you? We put money before God. But when he's, he's the vision comes before provision. He will provide all your needs. See, Jesus on earth, he was just focused on his purpose. Do you understand? Jesus knew that everything he needed would be provided, and that was faith. So he knew when he needed to speak on a boat, the boat would be there. He knew when he needed to go into Jerusalem, the cult would be there waiting for him. He knew when he needed to feed the, the, the people, the, the, the 5,000 people, there would be food available. He trusted God for everything. When he needed a place to sleep or a place to have dinner, God would make it available. But unfortunately, we don't want to live a life like that. We are worried that if I leave this, if I do what God has asked me to do, would I suffer? Let me tell you my personal story. I don't know how I am for time. Please just let me know if I'm running out of time. I used to work in investment banking. And I did this because I wanted to be very successful. So I chose a career in accounting and finance because I wanted to be very successful. I come from a very wealthy family. My grandfather was extremely wealthy, but when he passed away, things went down financially, and I said I wasn't going to go through the things we went through when I was young. So I pursued money. Got my dream job, loved it, loved the company. I was just telling Raquel about the company. They had a crash, so when I had my babies, it was perfect. I mean, my MD and I, he's speaking at my conference on Sunday, had an amazing rapport. And then because I was such a hustler, I, used to have, I had side hustles, so I would sell tunics, prepare, um, prepare proposals for entrepreneurs, and I would make extra money, supply corporate gifts. So sometimes my side hustles would bring in more money than my regular income, and I was making a lot of money at that time, and I was just, you know, spending it anyhow anyway. But I got to the point where I was like, hmm, there must be more to life than this money-making business that I'm in, or this money-making life. 
<laughs> I had children. I wasn't able to spend as much time with my children. I would wake up really early, leave the house when it's dark, come back when it's dark. I guess I was a moth in reality. And I wouldn't see my children for days sometimes. I was very unhappy. That same year, my mom was diagnosed with a brain tumor for the second time. So I had to go to London with her for six weeks. And I had a lot of time to think. Around the same time, my friend's brother, older brother, he was 31 at the time, young, handsome, full of life, all company job, plenty of money. He passed away suddenly like that. Just like that. It was asthma. That same year, shortly after the Dana crash, and there were a couple of people that I knew on that flight, young, high flyers, great dreams, great prospects, and they died like that. And I said, it was just, it's a function of grace. That could have been me on that flight. And if I died, have I done what I was created to do? Have I fulfilled the purpose that God brought me on this earth to fulfill? And I began to seek God. Because my job had become my security and my identity. And it was everything about me. I would introduce myself. Yeah, my name is Umlala Ashike. I'm an investment banker. It was my security. It was my identity. How was I going to cope financially? Yes, I had all these side hustles. But none of it was a business that I could say I'm leaving to go and sell tunics. How was I going to cope? Right? We know the way the economy is. Two, two, um, husband and wife, two incomes are needed in a family. I had all these different fears. And then I began to seek God, and I joined the discipleship class in my church. I go to Guiding Light Assembly, and I joined Master Life. Master Life, let me just say, is amazing. We have people coming from Elevation Church. It's, you don't have to be part of GLA to join Master Life. It's just a discipleship course. And I began, I began to build my relationship with God. And I shared my, my, my fears with my group members. And I told them I wanted to leave. And they said, why don't you discuss it with your husband? Pray about it. And I said, my husband has been my greatest cheerleader. He's been my support system. That's all I wanted from a man. I said, I just want to marry a, my, a cheerleader. Someone that will allow me to be all I want to be. So he had bought into my dream. And all of a sudden, my dream had changed because of the experiences I had. But he hadn't gone through those experiences with me, so he didn't quite understand. Ah, but yeah, what's, what's happening here? You're changing on me, you know? But anyway, we began to pray, and by divine intervention, that's a testimony and so on, he, he said, oh me, you can, you can resign. Because he didn't understand. You have a successful career. You're doing well. They like you. This is where they're, you're about to take you to, they're about to take you to the next level. And you want to resign. Is everything okay? You don't even know what you want to do. Anyway, he agreed. So we went to London. He had, a, he had to go have surgery on his knee. So we were in London for like two weeks. And I said to God, I said, God, okay. I now realize that all those my reasons were actually excuses. And now I don't have any other excuse. We have to talk, oh, because how am I going to really resign when there's no plan B? And then in my quiet time, God took me to Genesis chapter 12. And I read, and he talks about where he told Abraham to leave the land that he was in to the land that he was going to show him. And I was like, wow. So God, you mean that sometimes you may not even know where you are going, but you have to just be obedient. And then my Bible was a Joyce Meyer Bible. And, I, and she was, the narrative she was talking about was, you know, how she had to, God had told her to leave her job, you know, to do what he wanted her to do, and she lived. She left. So I took it as confirmation. Now, please, oh, I'm not saying that you should just get up and go. Everybody's work with God is very different. There are sometimes God requires you to plan. Like when he told Joshua to go into the promised land, they, he, they, he told, they had notice three days to plan and prepare. Do you understand? And take provision. So don't go and say, eh, hey, unless you have a relationship with God and you have heard and you've gotten that instruction. So, so I was afraid, but I knew that I had to do it. So I remember we came back to Nigeria and I went, when we got back to work, I went to my boss's office and I, and I told him, I said I was going to resign and I was crying. And he didn't quite understand. He said, but we don't want you to leave now. And you are crying. You don't want to go. Just Maybe you're just tired. You've had a long year, stressful year. You know what? We think you even need, maybe you need more time. Just, you know, take out more time. But I, I was just like, you know what? I've heard from God and I have to do it. So I did it afraid. Hmm. Now, 
so much has happened in my life since that happened. Look at me here today. I'm speaking to you, right? If I hadn't done it, I'd probably be in one cubicle, in one office, writing, doing my financial models, maybe making good money. Maybe my marriage would have probably ended. I wouldn't be here speaking. You know, when I, talk, when I spoke about the prophecy before, I told you that God is, going, through those dreams and visions he's giving people, it's to deliver nations. In January, I did a Daniel fast. I spent some, some time with God. You know, so they'll tell you January, make sure you plan your goals, write your goals, goal setting. I want to do this. I want to do that. I went to God and I said, God, what are your own goals? What are the things you want to do? What are you doing in Nigeria? Where can I join you at work? Because it is his work. Remember, he's from creation. He started and he's working. Then he began to reveal to me what he's doing with Nigeria. How this recession is a blessing in disguise. And how we're going to see the next set of millionaires. From the, he be, I mean, God began to reveal a lot. He, he, he told me, said, me that Nigeria sold her birthright for a pot of stew. You know, our natural resources like cocoa oil, instead of us to process those things, we will sell it cheaply to countries like Japan that have no, go and check Japan, no natural resources, nothing. They will, they will process it into high value products and sell it to us at a high price. So they will sell chocolate to us. They will sell oil to us, petrol, engine oil. So that's what you people have been doing. God then began to show me what he's going to do and how he's going to revive Nigeria. He said, I said, God, but people are losing their jobs. It's a blessing in disguise. How else are they going to do the things I want them to do if they don't lose their jobs? Do you understand? Not everybody can do it afraid and follow God, right? Some people need that kick. Entrepreneurship is the engine of any economy. It is what's made in America. Small businesses. In the heat of the depression, now a depression is worse than a recession by many times. If, it, if unemployment rate in a recession is 5%, in a depression it's like 25%. The founder of Quakeouts, you all is Quakeouts, right? Yeah? The founder of Quakeouts, hmm? it was in the Great Depression that he built his business and it was the Holy Spirit that gave him the ideas. Holy Spirit that gave him the idea and his business up till now, he has died though. He has died, but his business is still working for him, even in a country like Nigeria. So God is doing something in this season. And only those that have eyes to see where the opportunities are. So please stop joining them on social media to be talking nonsense. Ask God to begin to show you the ideas. And so God said to me that go and do an agribusiness workshop. It's one thing to tell people to do it afraid, but it's another thing to show them how. So go and do an agribusiness workshop. Then I began to look at, and then he took me to Genesis chapter 45 about how Joseph, how he says, you know when you read the story of Joseph, normally you, you stop where he reconciled with his brothers. But after that, chapter 45 then begins to talk about how he dealt with the famine. Because this is how I'm going to deal with what's going on in Nigeria. This is how Nigeria is going to become a global power. And then I began to do research on agriculture and it was the Opportunities are enormous. That is another session on its own. Humongous. And so a lot of people have begun to start agribusinesses. People in oil and gas industries. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong in working in an oil and gas company or a bank or insurance. I'm not saying there's anything wrong. Go, please, don't. I, God is a God of everything. But the problem is that when he has not called you there and you are there because of money, or because of status, that is when it's a problem. I'll tell you some story. There was a particular girl. She worked in an oil and gas company. And she came to my conference. And she got the, the, the inspiration to resign. Nelly's, I, I don't know if you know Nelly's on Instagram. And she started her business. <laughs> when she told me how much she makes in a day, I just can't share it so that nobody will go and meet her in her house. Another person, she worked in a church. She, she was at the point of depression. She worked for nine years. She came to my conference, and she got the inspiration to leave. Now she's the number one special effects lighting specialist in Nigeria. <laughs> she said, Omilola, oh, the things that God has done in my life in the last five months is almost embarrassing, the kind of work that has come. 
the kind of business that has come to her, <laughs> the kind of money that is coming to her. Sometimes she'll have six weddings in a day <laughs> and they don't pay not small money for the kind of stuff she does. <laughs> She's always praying for me. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with God. But I'm only just telling you because there she was, she could have been living the life of a moth, a very successful moth, where she would have missed out on the life of butterfly that God wanted for her. I'm almost done. Now, it's not, I'm not saying that when you, when you choose to live the life of a butterfly, it's going to be easy. There's process. Do you understand? The same way the metamorphosis, there's a process everybody needs to go to, go through. And so when I resigned, I'm not saying that it became easy overnight. There was process I had to go. There were times I had nothing. There were times I had no money. <laughs> there were times I had nothing. But you know what? The process, the things that I went through were building muscles for greatness for me. God will use the process to your favor. Joseph had to go through a process. The people that God is going to entrust with great things, they have to go through a process. So trust the process. It is a walk of faith. It's walking on water. These conferences I do, people are oh, successful, I will be successful. It is faith, and it is sometimes so scary. I just can't use the word I, I, I feel like using in my, my body to explain it. It is sometimes so scary. Sometimes I feel it physically, like my heart is beating, and I just have to go and worship God. Because some of the things that God will ask you to do are scary. I'm using Eco Hotel. Eco Hotel is the most expensive venue in Nigeria. And I'm a small Omilola Oshikoya. I'm not a big company. I'm using it, like big organizations. But you know what? God has told me. He told me. I didn't go and use Eco Hotel. I could have used many. I have an auntie that has a hotel. I could have used But God said it is Eco Hotel I want. And I had to walk in faith. And I had to obey. It is scary, yes, but I do it afraid. Because that's what he wants. Look at Joshua. If you read Joshua chapter 1, just when he gave him the commission to go to the promised land, about two times in that, in that first small chapter 1, God said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Clearly, for God to have said it, it means that Joshua was afraid. The difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is that successful people feel the fear and do it. Sometimes I'm afraid. <laughs> Sometimes then I go back to God and I cry. But you know what? I'm getting to the point where I'm beginning to begin to do it unafraid. That is it. You go from doing it afraid to doing it unafraid. Now let's look at David. When David went to face Goliath, David was not afraid. Though. Saul said to him, ah, but David, you know, you can't do this. And he said, I can. Why? Because he had experience with God. He said, when I was, when I was a shepherd, I fought the lions and the bear. So he was not afraid. He ran to Goliath and he went with what he had. He had five stones and a sling. He, rather, I think he picked up the stones, but he had a sling. That's all he had, and he went. He was unafraid. That is where I want to get to, where I'm unafraid, because of the God that I serve. Because there are things that... So if I was not obedient to God to do what he asked me to do, many lives like Nelly, like Tony of the, the special event lecture, many people, hundreds of people, would not be where they are today. So some people's destinies are tied to your obedience. You need to get down on your knees in this season. There's something God is doing and there is a grace. There is a grace. Let me tell you, I've done some research and I asked a couple of business owners, how has this recession affected you? And all of them have good things to say. Let me tell you, when I'm being honest and I'm being selfish, I don't want this recession to end right now because it's working in my favor. So when I, I'm, always, I'm always anxious when I see, when when I see ah, recession, I'm excited, so that I can still take, take advantage of all these opportunities. I don't want it to end anytime soon. There are people that are making it in this, in this season. And God, he says, but remember the Lord, for it is he that gives the power to get wealth. The Holy Spirit was the one that gave me the idea of the agribusiness workshop. It was full to capacity. I did not have to spend one penny on any marketing. Not one penny. 
every day the Holy Spirit will, something will come up in the news and the Holy Spirit will show me and that's what I was using to market it. I had no, people say, Omla, your marketing is, it is the Holy Spirit, my branding. People ask me, who is your brand specialist? Who did you use? How did you choose this? Everything is the Holy Spirit. When I got into a cross, when, a crossroad, when I'm stuck, I go back to God and he gives me the idea. He speaks to me. He's the one. Some of the greatest people on this earth, founder of Heinz, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola, all those great companies, they were Christians. So what is happening now? His children are sleeping. He says the Bible is, this is the season for the manifestation of the sons of God. There's a grace right now. You need to tap into that grace. And it's for a season and you need to tap into it. And God is not going to take it lightly with this generation because we do not want to step out in faith. But he says it is, without, faith, without faith, it is impossible to please him. So you must step out. This, this whole thing is all about faith. So unbelievers, yeah, oh, do it's afraid it sounds, but it's all about faith. That's what this is, faith. You must have faith. You must trust him. So if it is that God has said you should be in a nine to five, you should be in, in banking or whatever, then be there in faith and go and soar in that place and be the light in that place and excel. But if God has said, I've given you gifts, I've given you things and you need to go and fulfill those things, then what is stopping you? See, we're already in the end time season. We are already there. So it's not about having 100 or 50 years, whatever, that's still small. It's about doing what he has called you to do now. And so that's, so, and then God is also saying there are some people that have stepped out in faith, but the process, they're going through challenges and they're afraid and they want to give up. But he's saying no, the process is there for a reason. And so that's why my next conference, the, the theme is the flourishing palm tree and its process. The I just can't. If I start telling you now, then all the people that have paid for my conference will say, eh, they'll be very angry. So unfortunately, I can't, I can't. But man, God is awesome. He is so awesome. That palm tree, when I did some research on it, what I found, what I found is profound. God is awesome. I mean, it is deep. In fact, there was one particular article. I saw it last year. I looked for it for, for months, for weeks. I couldn't find it. And I went back to the Holy Spirit and he showed me again. And I read it and I was so profound. But the palm tree can only flourish. Palm trees are usually put in difficult terrains. So you see a palm tree um, either in a desert, which is the date palm, or in front of the seaside. But if you look at the soil where the palm tree is in front of the seaside, it is like granite. It's, there's no nutrients, no nutrients whatsoever there. But how come it's able to flourish? And if there's a hurricane, how come it's able to stand? Because of the process it goes through. So don't circumvent the process. Trust the process. And as I close, I'm reading this amazing book, Driven by Eternity. I say everyone should get it. And I'll quickly read this. It's an allegory, which means basically it's a fictional tale. So when, I, when you hear me say Jalen, I'm talking about Jesus. And it says, upon graduation, Charity gave three of her $25,000 as a contribution to the school of Endel's land drive. She was thankful for all she had learned from her teachers and wanted to express it. With the remaining 22000 Charity was eventually able to start a restaurant. She loved anything to do with the culinary arts. Coupling this with the fact she was a savvy businesswoman, a restaurant appeared to be the best way to utilize her gifts and serve her community. She was able to bring in some of the best chefs in the land, and by coordinating their knowledge, she assembled an outstanding menu. Her restaurant was an immediate success. Though Charity won awards for her restaurant, she always credited her success to Jalen's wisdom. Remember I said Jalen is Jesus. In interviews, she repeatedly thanked her former teachers and praised her fine employees. She refused to acknowledge her success as her own or to boast about her efforts. She knew it was only because of Jalen. Charity used her prosperity to help both the community and the school of Endel. She contributed food to the school soup kitchen for the needy. Often she would set aside an evening and work the outreach food line. She enjoyed serving hot meals to the poor. She made a commitment to give 25% of all her restaurant profits to the school. At the end of the five years, she had given over $200,000. Five years was her lifetime in the book. 
Charity was always helping others who were working hard, but just found it difficult to make ends meet. In addition to financial aid, she was quick to share Jalen's principles of wisdom and success. She constantly told those she aided how she would never have made it with she would never have made it had it not been for Jalen. Even though Charity's restaurant was successful, she was never included in the socials at the home of Selfish. That's another character. Neither was she asked to participate in leadership roles in the community. She was seen as too radical in her adherence to Jalen, along with the fact that she was a woman. Being excluded among the influential Enderlies didn't deter or discourage Charity. She was focused on reaching the less fortunate. She loved the weekly gatherings at the school and was always offering to help by giving or through serving in various roles. Charity was a fulfilled young woman. Today, be like Charity. She discovered her gifts in culinary arts, and she became a successful restaurant owner. What are the gifts that God has given you and blessed you with? To not be like the unfaithful servant who returned it without doing anything. Like I said at the beginning, it's a matter of hell and heaven. When you read this book, Driven by Eternity, when you read the accounts of hell, you know it is real. And heaven is real. So today, you account it all joy. You are very privileged that God has spoken to you today. And he wants to do great things in you. Nations will be saved through you. Nigeria will be great again through you. But you have to be obedient. You have to listen to the call. You have to spend time with him if you haven't already heard. Go and spend time and hear. And be bold. He says, be bold and courageous. Do not be afraid. For I am with you wherever you go. You have God. You have the Holy Spirit. The only sure thing in this world with you. So what are you afraid of? Thank you. questions in the um, crowd we'll just take them guys that was awesome thank you so much I'm so inspired thank God. <laughs> your story is amazing thank I work you. in an investment banking organization and I can't imagine some of those guys just resigning <laughs> saying, well, so I'm just going to leave investment banking mm. um, it's a good place to be so your story is quite inspiring thank you um, so just quickly I have some questions and I'm sure a few people are passing questions um, around. Um, so the first one I have here is, so how do you deal with a case where you've repeatedly failed at something? So you believe this is my it, and then I'm trying to do it, but I, I'm just failing. I'm failing. I'm keeping strong. I'm failing again. You know, should I should I take that as a sign that God doesn't want me to do it? Very good question. Like I said before. It's all about the, your perception of failure. Failure is a teacher. When you fail at something, then you know how not to do it, and then you try how to do it. Thomas Edison, that created the light bulb, it was said that, I think it was about either a 1,000 times, the 1,000 trial, was it 10,000 or 1,000, that, that he discovered. Imagine if he stops at 999. Would we have light today? We probably won't even have the iPad because everything is as a result. So failure is a teacher. If you fail, go back to the vision giver. Maybe he's actually saying that this is not where I've called you to be. But when you have God with you, trust me, you, I, you can't fail. He's God. He can't fail. The problem is that sometimes we get the vision, then we run with the vision. But you shouldn't. You have to go with him every step of the way. So when you read the story of David, David will go back and ask God, God, should I pursue them? He will even ask twice before he goes. But we get a vision and then we just run and we just do. God says write a book and then you just run and just write the book and publish it and you wonder why it hasn't been successful. But mm -mm, go back. God, okay, how? What should I say? When should it come? When, when, who should I partner with? Go back. He's interested in every single step. Every single step. And once you involve the Holy Spirit in every single step, trust me, failure is not an option. Okay. Um, thank you for that answer. So basically, just 
the Holy Spirit is key. Just checking back with God. God, is this what you're asking me to do? Yes. And if this is really what God is asking me God to do. God is a God of relationship. And that's why he doesn't just tell you, this is how your life is going to be. Because at the end of the day, you would run with it and you'll forget him. But he wants you to come back to him every day. So that's why with an eagle, an eagle eats fresh meat every day. It doesn't eat dead carcass. Because you need to come back for that fresh anointing, that fresh word from God. It's a daily thing. You need to go back to him every single day. That's why he told the Israelites, do not gather manna for tomorrow. He wants you to depend on him on a daily basis. It is a relationship. Profound, like double tap. <laughs> okay. Um, so, still on this do it afraid. What if I don't know what my it is? Do it. What, what is my it? I, I don't know. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but you cannot circumvent the relationship with God. God, see, the vision is always the same, but the assignment differs. Mm. Yeah? The assignment is what differs. So as much as I wanted to leave investment banking, I had an assignment there. And that place, that, 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 that place gave me, it prepared me for where God, where I am now. So while I was there, I thank God for the grace to be excellent because I was excellent. So wherever you are, while you're waiting for that it, while you're waiting, because we're waiting generally, we will always wait. We're waiting people. Just be excellent where you are. Now, if I wasn't excellent where I was, my ex-MD would not be coming on. We were chatting today about the, the uh, uh, session on Sunday. And he said, Umlala, you know, yet I, do, I wouldn't do this, but I just don't know how to say no to you. Because he doesn't talk. He doesn't go, for, he doesn't go to interviews. He doesn't speak at events. He's just a, he focuses on what God has called him to do. But if I wasn't faithful then, would he be able to come would I be the first person that would, you know, that would bring him out to speak to people? So my, 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 what I will say to you is that keep seeking God. He will reveal. He may say, yes, yeah, so I'm going to reveal your it, but this is your assignment for now. So I want you to stay in this place of assignment and be faithful there. So Joseph didn't know he was going to go to the palace, but his assignment was in prison and he was excellent in prison. And when it was time, God took him to the place of palace. So once you have that relationship, he will reveal up till now. I don't know the full picture, but I know the assignment. So do it afraid is the assignment. Pocket finance was the assignment. That is why, again, I say, do not copy somebody's vision. Because if somebody copied me when I was doing pocket finance, by now they would have been, they would have missed road because I've moved because on to do it afraid. <laughs> the assignments too. So go to the vision. Get your own vision from God and run with your own vision. But sometimes he doesn't say it immediately just wait on him. You, if, do you think the God of the universe will want to say something to you and not know how to say it? If it's quiet, there's a reason. Okay. So just be excellent wherever you are. You know, just be excellent while you wait for your it. You know, be faithful in what you're doing. And um, Okay. So um, another question I have here is, what do I do if all the people around me do not believe in what I am trying to do? Um, that's a very, very good place to be. A very good place Have to be. Have you been there? there? Oh, yes. <laughs> I think now, because of precedent, because of, of um, when, because now it's obvious that I'm walking with God, I think now everybody's like, yes, 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 okay, you want to do this, okay, yes, 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 go ahead and do it. But initially, it wasn't like that. Even now, it's not like that. I remember telling my friend that God said I should use a coat and I should laugh. Hey, how are you going to pay for it? <laughs> you know, and I'm sure she, she's still in shock that it's going to happen on Sunday. Do you understand? So you would have people that would not believe, but it's okay. Sometimes they cannot understand. They cannot understand. I mean, I, I was chatting with Raquel today, and she was telling me how, and I'm not saying this to boast, but it's just to, it's just to talk about this, yeah. what we're talking about. She was talking to me and telling me how, you know, one thing that everyone says is that I'm not, I'm unashamed about Jesus. I'm not afraid to talk about yeah. Jesus. Because where we came from, someone said it, you know. And, and I said to her, do you know that just three weeks ago, somebody from the church, called, a person of authority in the church, called me to tell me that why am I always talking about God? Yes. 
Why am I always talking about God? Do you understand? So some people will not get it. Some people will not believe. But then I didn't have to say anything to her. Two, three days later, she sends me a message. I'm sorry. That while she was having a quiet time, God spoke to her. She now sends me the, 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 what God had told her about people and their personalities and how he's made people for a certain... So my point is, before I talk too much, because I like to talk, <laughs> they will not always get it, but as long as you know that you've heard from God, as long as God has said it, when Jesus said he was going to the cross, the, 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 the Peter was like, God forbid. But he said, get thee behind me, yes. Satan. People will not always get it. They will not always get it. They will think you're crazy. But once you have heard and once you know... Talking about doing that faith, Jesus was afraid. That's why when he was going to the cross, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed and he said he was sweating. He was, he was groaning. He said, if it is possible, take this cup away from me. But he knew that he had been sent by God, so he had to do it. So once you hear from God, that is your ultimate. We are here not because of anybody, not because of anybody, only because of God. Awesome. Because I was actually going to ask about the, uh, before you spoke about um, always talking about God, you know, it's a funny place to be. I mean, people rolling their eyes. So, no, no, the Holy Spirit told me. The Holy Spirit told you. Okay. So, it's, I'm sure it's a thing of courage, you know. How have you found that persistent courage to just stay true? I mean, if someone in church can, you know, tell, have you ever found yourself about to just take a bold step or say, you know what, the Holy Spirit told me this, and you're like, Holy Spirit, you better just be right here with me and make sure you told me this. You know, it's, how do I, how do I know that it's God? You know, how, it it sounds a bit abstract sometimes. How do I know I am hearing from God? Um, You know. Um, Back to relationship again. And the beautiful thing about God is that where you find him, it's not where you'll find him the next time. Mm. And that's because he wants to draw you deeper. And that's because he wants to reveal a new side to himself. And that's the problem with religion. So you find God there in that verse with the beautiful flowers. God speaks to you there. And you begin to make that the altar. And say God is there. Imagine if we knew where the burning bush was. Trust me, people will be sleeping in that burning bush. But God only revealed himself in the form of the burning bush to one person, Moses. He did, it with, he did it differently with Abraham. He did it differently with John. He did it differently with me. So it's all about relationship. You will, as you get to, look, if, I, if we're friends, if I call you now on the phone and, I, and you pick up my phone, my call, you wouldn't know it's me, right? Because we don't have a relationship. But if your mother calls you, even if you don't see the name, when you hear the voice, you know it's your mom because of relationship. The closer you get to God, the more you walk with him, then you'll begin to know. And then ask him, God, are you sure? Is it you confirm it to me? Oh, I do it all the time. God, okay, you said it, but confirm. Sometimes he will confirm it in a mind-blowing way that you know it can only be God. Raquel and I, Raquel, Give her a round of applause. She's just so amazing. <laughs> we went, I had another engagement and she said she, she followed me and we were in the car and I was saying to her, I was like, Raquel, okay, we're planning a do it afraid conference, but I'm not sure who the speakers are yet. I'm praying and I'm asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to me who the speakers should be. I said, okay. So when we got there, we we're sitting down and then after I finished speaking, one of my aunts came on stage and I never heard her speak. So I sat down and I waited. Normally I wouldn't wait. So she, as she was talking, I just felt in my spirit that God was saying she should be a speaker. And I was like, God, are you sure? But why? What does she have to do with do it afraid? Yes, I understand she has a process, which is what she was talking about. But what does what the do it afraid be? And as I was saying it, then she started talking about how she, you know, um, was studying a certain degree, but she wanted to do fashion, and she just left and followed that fashion. And I was like, okay, this is it. So I looked at Raquel, and I'm like, hey, Raquel, I think God is saying that this lady should be a speaker. And then Raquel just showed me her notebook. She had written, she wrote the person's name, I wrote DIA, Do It Afraid Conference 2016. 
that while the lady was speaking, God had spoken to her. And the reason why she wrote it down was so she won't forget. Now, if she hadn't written it down, if I said to her and she said yes, I would be like, hmm, because I said it. But she had actually written it down. So that was the way God spoke to me through that confirmation. confirmation. But it doesn't mean that next time he's going to confirm. And that woman is not a speaker now anyway. Even though God confirms it that way, eventually, after she, a couple of weeks later, she said she can't, she can't do it. But it's fine. So if because of that, and I said, I'm not doing this conference again. But God has replaced her with somebody else. Mm. So it's all about relationships. So one minute he says, is this person. He's, sometimes there are disappointments to test your heart. Will yeah. you follow him? Yeah. Awesome. Yes, that, that, that's really awesome. <laughs> okay, so someone is asking, um, so after I've decided to do it afraid, what next? <laughs> what, what, what do I need to do? So, uh, yes, yeah, so once you, then you begin, you back to, you begin to, so you take the step, so you begin to plan. So if, it depends on where it is. So um, sometimes it may be that you need to go back to school and you need to learn. Sometimes it may be that you need to go and get a job somewhere and learn under somebody. It depends, it's, it's a personal thing. So it depends on what it is you're doing. It depends, sometimes, like I said, it's not always about leaving your job to, to become an entrepreneur. Sometimes it's you're just changing careers. So maybe while you should have done engineering, you went to do law. But then God is saying, I made you, I created you to be an engineer for a reason. Go and do engineering. So depending on where you are at, then that would determine the steps that you need to take. Yes, because um, there were two questions like that. Um, so, you know, it's not just, so when you discover what you need to do, then there's a preparation process. Um, so it's not you don't so it's do I just get up and leave my job if I've is there a point I need to have gotten to um, if I have a business or have an idea what would you advise you know that I have I think it's a it's a a function of process so sometimes God gives you the vision but it's not for now so God begins to make you uncomfortable in a place so that he is beginning to tell you that this is not your promised land or this is just an assignment area. It's just a wilderness. You're just passing through. But if you didn't make it uncomfortable, then you would make that you make your that place your promised land. So God may say, I have this is what I want you to do. But He may require you to complete an assignment somewhere. So it's a process. But God may say, like He did to me, no plan. Just go. And when I left, I didn't I didn't start what I'm doing. I went to work in church. So I worked in church for three years. So that was another process. God led me. I, it wasn't a plan. For the first couple of months, six to nine months, I, I was waiting on God. You know, but God led me to work in church. And it was a humbling experience, but the best experience of my life. Because God began to build my character. It was church that I learned more about her humility. It's not about me. It's in church that I, I built my relationship with God. And God was, so when I went into church, I came from a finance background, but I was the head of media and publications. So God was showing me the space that I was going to work. Do you understand? So it wasn't that I was going to become Africa's premier wealth coach immediately. I had to go and serve in church for three process. years. So there's a process that you cannot, you cannot jump the process. There's a process. So your own process is peculiar to you and what he wants to do with you. For some, it's immediate and they just blossom immediately. For some like me, you have to, you have to go and serve and help somebody else fulfill their own vision. Is there a time frame for, for this process or do I get to a point where I'm just coasting and everyone is looking at you like, okay, right now you're just, are you sure you're thinking about what you're doing? Is there a time frame? As long as you're walking with God, you're in the palm of his hands. Your alarm clock does not wake you in the morning. It is God. It is God. And God is the God of the universe. He's not going to let you make a mistake. So as long as, it's when you're out of that relationship that there's a problem, then maybe you're making that mistake. Maybe you're not hearing. Maybe you're just dilly-dallying. But once you're in a relationship with God, and I say relationship with God is key, especially for these times we're in, because it's dark. When, when, you know, God took me back to read the parable of the ten virgins, and, you know, the ones that had extra oil were able to wait for the bridegroom. Extra oil is relationship. 
is anointing. Because the bridegroom came at midnight when it was darkest, when it was dark. But because they had that extra oil, they were able to wait. We are in, living in dark times. So it's that relationship you have with God, that intimacy with God, that will get you to where you need to be, that will make you, you see, don't be afraid of darkness because light can only shine in darkness. Yes. So this is our season as children yes. of God, as sons and daughters of God. This is the time for our manifestation. Mm. My youth, I'm a youth minister for Ignite and the theme is the manifestation. And also even the Hillsong new album talks about let there be light. Mm. This is a season for light in darkness. So this is our season, but you can only be that light through relationship Every time you will see Jesus will minister with people, then he will go back and he will go and spend time with God. He will pray, or he will tell the disciples to go and then he will go and pray. That relationship, take time out from social media sometimes. Just be with God. Just spend time. And I'm not saying, just sit down with God. Sometimes it's just about, not, I'm not saying go and be doing back, back you know, shaka, all those kind of fun, deep, deep prayers. Just, just be there. Just talk to him like I'm talking to you, like he's your best friend. Cry out to him. Tell him when you have challenges. Just, just sit and just, sometimes just sit and just listen. I say, God, talk to me. Read your Bible. Pray, write. Have that intimacy. You see, you move from children. You, you become a father when you have relationship and intimacy. But when you're still fighting, there's, a, there's baby when you're still trying to get salvation. Then, then you move to a son when you are fighting spiritual warfare, but you move to father, you become a father when you have intimacy with God. That's the level we should aim to in our relationship with God, that intimate relationship with him. That's what he wants. That's what the Holy Spirit wants. So um, it's, this is just, by the way, guys, it's, it's amazing listening to you speak. And through the whole month here, we've had people who are entrepreneurs, who are, who are doing great things. But one common thing is this relationship with God. Everyone has been speaking about God, the Holy Spirit, divine ideas. No, it's not a question. For me, it's just, it's just like profound. So we're here thinking we want to do great things, and it's just right in front of us, and it's God. So, so from the start of the month, everyone who has spoken to us, who has been on this stage, has just has said very simple things and just said, you know what, everything I have done, I go to God. It's the Holy Spirit that leads me. Um, Doctor, uh, was it Doctor, Doctor Obi? Yes, she said the same thing on Sunday, and she was she was just like, she goes on assignments. God sends her. It's an assignment. She's not chasing anything. She's not a moth. <laughs> She's not chasing anything fancy. The beautiful thing is that those fancy things then come. Yeah. Those fancy. Yeah. Things. So it, it's um, all, all I ever wanted to do was just to 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 please God and just be in His will. But God has, <laughs> God has surprised me. And that's when the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom, kingdom of, of God, God and his righteousness and yes. all things. All My things. goodness, God has done phenomenal things. I've spoken with dignitaries. I spoke, I mean, the things that God has done, the awards. I remember when I didn't even want to talk about the whole Trump thing. Everyone said, I'm with her, I'm with her. Have you heard what God is saying? Is that what God is saying? Or are you trending because everybody's trending? So I wasn't going to speak about it. And I was just, I just, I didn't say anything through the whole campaign. And then I got a call that morning of the, of the thing that, you know, BBC Africa wanted to interview me to get my opinion. That was just God. I was sitting down doing my quiet time. In fact, that day, quiet time was not really flowing. And I was being honest with God. I was like, God, this, um, let me, I'm just, as I'm reading the Bible here, Lord, it's not really working. And I'm just, this is just religion. That's, uh, my phone was, uh, Lord, I want to, you know. And, and then there was that call. And I, and I picked up the call and I had, and I was able to share what God, you know, had told me about what he's doing. Do you understand? It's about relation, and God is the one that has just done these things. God, God, doors, doors, the doors that have opened, the doors, the things that God has done, the fancy things will come. But you know what? They are jara. You know when you go and buy rice, do you go and buy jara? You go and buy rice, right? Then the jara is given; it will come. But we are focusing on the jara. We are focusing on the things that He has already done. Chasing those things. 
the, the little things and God is like, I can do great things. I would give you that car. Is it a car you want? You know, there's... Okay, so just before we round off, I'm going to um, read, um, I think, two more questions. You've answered some questions um, here. Someone says, do you think you would have been successful if you didn't have the support of your husband, family, and friends? Um, You know, but before I left, and that's why I had to have my husband's buy-in, because I said, God, we are one, and... He's my husband and he's, you have placed him as the head of the home. So I'm under his authority. So he has to buy in to this. So I wasn't going to go until God had, you know, spoken to him and God did. So, yes, I cannot, my husband's support is, is king. See, who you marry, for those that are single, who you marry can make or mar your destiny. Don't try it. <laughs> Don't try it. <laughs> Go back to God. It's a matter of life and death. Death. Who you marry. My husband is... He's not perfect. And I'm not trying to say he's perfect. He's not perfect. But he's so supportive. Because you can't be married to me and not be supportive. I mean, I, I sometimes say I'm crazy for Jesus. The kind of things... I mean, I wake, wake up and say, God says I should leave church now. And he says, okay, you know, clearly I'm putting burdens on him to, do you understand? But if he wasn't supportive, I wouldn't be so, like, now I'm here. Who is with the kids at home? He's the one. Like today, he had to go to Korodu. And so I was already on my way to pick up the kids. And he called, he was like, Omi, please, can you pick up the kids today? And I was like, of course, I'm picking them up. But because he knew I had a speaking engagement, he thought it was earlier. So he was like, you know, just ask him because he wanted to go and pick them up. So he's like, we're, we're a team. We're a team. So we're supporting each other. It hasn't always been like this. We've been married for 10 years. And initially it was hard. You remember when I was talking and I was saying that maybe if I stayed in my job, we would probably not yeah. be together. So obviously we've been through our own process. Do you understand? But I say that being married to him has just been a blessing. So I will say and emphasize who you marry is important. But then again, everybody's work in progress. So my husband hasn't always been the way he is now. God has worked through him. So if you're already married and your husband is not exactly supportive, there's nothing God cannot do. Take it to God. God is the one that changed Saul to Paul. God holds the heart of kings in his hands. So God will work, do it for you. So go back to God. God, God will work it out. Don't give up on that situation. But if you are not married, hear from God. <laughs> You've heard her. Hear from God. Okay, this, this question is a bit, uh, it's a bit sad, but I feel like it, it's not sad, sad, but I feel like it echoes what is in the minds of many young people today. And uh, the person is asking, what do you have to say to a young, hopeless African lady who desperately needs a brighter future? I'm not really sure <laughs> what you would say to her, but I feel there are a lot of people listening to you now and just wondering, it's worked out all well and good for your fancy, but I'm here and I'm really struggling and I can't connect right now, you know, with what you're saying. What is that maybe the last thing you just want to leave for anyone who might be thinking like that? First of all, let me say that I, I didn't come here to tell you that my life is pretty perfect. It's not. I still go through my challenges. I can still show you my bank accounts right now. And you see that what the, what the numbers are saying. So I go through my own challenges. I am still... See, the glory of God is so amazing because it covers you. And his grace covers you and makes you look so beautiful that sometimes people don't actually realize the things you, you two are going through. The times that you cry. The times that you go through challenges. <laughs> anyway, it will come out in my book. But everybody's work in progress. So you see even Mrs. Ibuka Awashika or Dr. Obi, they're still work in progress. They still have their own process. So you are exactly where God wants you to be. You are in your own process. See, I went to a, an event once and Fela Dorotoye said this. He said, 
There are three people. No, there are three categories now that, I don't know which word to use. There are three categories now that are, let me just say king. Youths, oh, that God is doing something with that. Youths, Africans, and women. So you're all three. If you're a young African woman, you're all three. So this is your time. This is your season. This is the season of the woman. This is a season where we don't have those things, those superstitions or those cultural barriers that stopped us from doing See, All these things that people say about, oh, shattering glass ceilings, I don't join them because for me, there's no glass ceiling anywhere. There's nothing. The reason why I'm not the first president of Ni female president of Nigeria is not because anybody has stopped me. It's because that is not my assignment. If God says, Omilola, you are meant to be the first female, I will be. So there's nothing stopping me. I worked with men. The, I know there are women in but me, where, where I worked, it was men. And they did not treat me anyhow. They treated me like an equal. They gave me respect. When I spoke, they listened. When I wrote things, they, they, they signed. They listened to what I had to say. I come from a family where there's no boy, girl. But when I'm at home, I understand my husband is king. And I am under him, so I will not try and take his position. But what I'm trying to say is that there's nothing stopping you. Nothing stopping you. There's nothing stopping you from all that you can be and all you were created to be. The only thing stopping you is you. Once you have God, you have everything. There is nothing. The sky is just the beginning. It is just the beginning. Okay. Um, just the book you're reading. Uh, what's, it, what's it called? Um, yes. So, Driven by Eternity okay. by John Bevier. B-E, I hope I got the spelling right. B-E-V-E-R-E. -E. This book is life-changing. The only reason why I haven't finished it is because of the conference. And because it's those kind of books that you're reading. You just want to just... Let sure, it, yes, <laughs> you know, let it just enter. You know, it's an amazing book. It's that you, you, it then brings and then it, it talks about the word and it breaks it down. And then the, the, the church has lied to us. The church has lied to us. They made it about prosperity. I want to be prosperous. It has nothing to do with that. But he brings it down to exactly what it's really all about. He breaks it down. Everybody. Now, anybody that I know is their birthday, this is when I'm going to buy them. Everybody that has read this book, you need to, you need to buy it. You need to read it. Okay. It's driven by eternity. Driven by eternity. And Mark, they're not even paying me for this. So. so if you know him, please tag him on Instagram and say somebody marketed. Maybe they would, you know, give me some more money. <laughs> okay. I mean, thank you so much for, for being here with us. It's thank been you. really, really, really amazing. Thank you so much. Guys, please, let's... Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.